I want to uh, show you the pictures of a couple of men that those of you who are football fans will probably immediately recognize. Dick Buckus is one of the greatest linebackers to ever play the game. He's in the Hall of Fame. Floyd Little might be a little lesser known, but was a great, great running back from the University of Syracuse and then the Denver Broncos. He just recently was elected to the Hall of Fame along with Emmett Smith and Jerry Rice and some other great players. Floyd Little was known not just for his elusiveness, but for his toughness. He was not a big man, but he was determined to play like one and to never let anyone know he was hurt. He did say, however, the hardest he ever got hit was by Dick Butkus. Butkus laid him out, but he wasn't about to show it. So he said he jumped back up and got into Butkus' face and said, Is that all you got? Was that your best hit? And Buckus looked at him and said, Are you all right, Floyd? (laughs) And Floyd Little said, Man, I thought you were a hard hitter. And again, Buckus replied, Are you okay, Floyd? And Floyd Little said, Why do you keep asking me that? And Buckus replied, Because, Floyd, you're in the wrong huddle. Well, in the same way, when God wants you in a different place, He will send you a message. And the message He will send is that He is sending you somewhere else. We've started this series, we've titled, Called. And we're going to look at some of the times in the Bible when God called. And we're going to look this morning at perhaps the best known and most important call in the Bible. And what we're going to see is that it's normative for all calls that God calls to send. Look with me what the Hebrew writer says in chapter 11 about Abraham. By faith, Abraham. When called... To go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And what I'm going to contend this morning is that this kind of call is not the exception. It is instead the rule. And the reason I have for that is theological. Because I believe scriptures clearly presents God as a sender. It is never God's will that we remain where he finds us. You can't find anywhere in your Bible where God called anybody and said, stay still. You cannot follow God and stay where you are. So let's look at this call 
that I think is the model for all calls. Chapter 12 of Genesis, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, remember that in the Bible, Abraham is consistently presented as the man that models the kind of faith that God is looking for in you and in me. And this faith is principally demonstrated by his willingness to obey the sender. Look again at verse 8 from the message. It said, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel. I think that's why you see throughout the scripture language that has movement as the message. Language about seeking, about walking by faith, about running the race, about being pilgrims and on a journey. And the reason God calls you and me to move are the exact same reasons God called Abraham. Number one, to bless us. And number two, to use us to bless somebody else. So God comes into our lives and says, follow me. Because where you are now, you're living in barrenness. You don't have a future here. I want to bless you. And I want to use you to bless others. But that means you need to travel. God is still a sender. And we are all His missionaries. The saved life is a sent Life. You heard what Fred Every said. I believe with all my heart that God said, go. Faith is not to be sedentary. In fact, I would argue that if your faith life is sedentary and immobile, it's actually moving backwards. Christians never turn in our walking staff for a rocking chair. But sometimes we do. Just like Abraham. Look at this interesting verse in chapter 11 of Genesis. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans, notice, to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now notice Abraham is traveling with Terah, his father, and Lot, his nephew, although there's no record God ever called them. In fact, God specifically said, leave your father's household. Well, he left his house in Ur, but he didn't leave his household. Now, if you want to go and look at your map in the back of your Bible, if your Bible has one, you'll notice that this isn't a part of the world that they called back then the Fertile Crescent. Ur was a city at the base of the Tigris-Euphrates rivers that poured into the Persian Gulf. 
And those two rivers were the main waterways of the ancient world. And that meant that there was water and green grass, and it's a populated place to live. Now, Ur's at the bottom of that crescent, and Haran's at the top. What that means is when you're traveling from Ur up to Haran, the traveling is not too hard. You've got lots of water. You've got lots of pasture for your herds. And they go from Ur up to Haran, and something happened there that almost trumped the call of God. My personal opinion is that it was probably the belligerence of Terah. Because you get up to Haran, and suddenly the river's gone, and the grass is gone, and all you have after Haran is sand. And he thinks to himself, I'm an old man. I've already walked a long way. There's water here. There's grass here. And besides that, I walk down to the local temple and they worship the same idols I used to worship back in Ur. I'm not moving any farther, son. We're settling down. Something happened. To Abram's call. The same thing that often hinders our obedience to God's call. Partial obedience. How many of us left Ur, bound for Canaan, but stopped in Haran, short of God's call. It's the great seduction. You're not where you used to be. Don't get too radical. Don't take this thing too far. Settle down. Make your home in Haran. There's this bike race they have in India with an interesting goal. The goal is to see who can go the least amount of distance. The gun goes off, you start to pedal. If your feet ever touch the ground, you're out of the race. When the gun goes off again, the person that has stayed balanced on their bike but gone the least amount of distance is the winner. Do you know any Christians like that? Did you hear what Carol Every had said? Here they are. They're uh, at the point of their life where the kids are grown. It's time to think about retirement. He's got a good job with the post office with lots of benefits. And she said, we were pretty much settled. We were kind of just coasting along. This is the seduction of Haran. The problem is this. Partial obedience is an oxymoron, a contradiction in terms. If you said to your child, the trash can in the kitchen is overflowing, get the sack, tie it up, take the trash out of the kitchen, take it out to the street, put it on the curb to be picked up in the morning. And your child gets up and he takes a sack and he ties it up and he carries it to the entryway and puts it by the front door. And then goes and sits down and watches TV. 
And you say, why didn't you take the trash out to the street like I said? Oh, come on, Dad, lighten up. It's not in the kitchen, is it? Has your child obeyed you? Partial obedience is simple disobedience. Until you've done all God says to do, you haven't done what God said to do. But my guess is most of us today struggle with a heron in our lives. Some part of our lives where we have essentially said, God, I'm not going past this point. Maybe it's in our finances. I'm not going there, God. I'm not tithing. I'm not doing it. Maybe it's in our sexuality. I'm not giving up that relationship, God. It's the one thing I've got in my life right now, providing intimacy. I'm not going there. Maybe it's with a sin that we're refusing to confess and deal with. Or our fear in witnessing. Most of us have a heron. A place in our life where we said, you know, I made a little progress, but this is as far as I'm going. We need to return to the sender. And what's that going to require of us? Three things. First, it's going to take a surrender of my need to walk by sight. You see, we read the story and we know that Abraham is supposed to wind up in Canaan. The thing is, he didn't know that. In fact, look again at Hebrews eleven nine. It says that when he left, he had no idea where he was going. Now, let me tell you why a lot of us get a call from God. Listen for a few moments and hang up. Because we're hung up. On knowing the outcome. Well, if I start tithing, am I going to get that promotion? You give me the promotion, I'll start tithing. Well, if I give up that relationship, what assurance do I have that I'll ever have a true, pure, committed relationship in the future? You give me that, and I'll quit this. You see, God, you show me where I'm going to wind up if I obey you, and I'll travel. Look at this picture. This magnificent beast is called the African Impala. You know, we think it's impressive a guy can jump up and grab a rim ten feet off the ground. That animal can jump over a basketball goat. It can jump over a wall ten foot high. You say, how in the world could it ever stay in a zoo? Simple. They can put that animal behind a wall just a few feet high, and it'll stay there if it can't see where it's going to land if it jumps. It will not move unless it knows the outcome first. And it stays in prison. That shouldn't keep it. Now what is faith? At its simplest level, faith is bare trust in God's Word because you believe God is good. It comes down to this. Does God want to curse me or bless me? 
See, God knows if I stay where I am, it's going to produce barrenness. And so God says, I'm not calling you to hurt you. I'm calling you, number one, to bless you. And number two, to help you become a blessing. And obedience to that call means relinquishing my need to control the outcome. Or to put it another way, you can't hear a call from God if you insist on calling the shots. God's waiting for, here am I. Send me. With no strings attached. Returning to the sender means I surrender my need to walk by sight. Second, it means I surrender my need to bring my idols. You've got to travel light to follow God. So God told Abraham to let go of all of his past securities. The question that Abraham had to answer was this. Stephen said in Acts 7 that the God of glory appeared to him. And Abraham's got to ask himself, is this new God worthy of surrendering all my old gods. Is he worth that? It's the same question you and I have to answer. Remember in our first series when Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to put me ahead of your personal relationships, your personal ambitions, your personal possessions. Discipleship demands we get rid of excess baggage. Anything hindering my following the move of God. Let me tell you another story about Walt Disney. Their first animated movie was the classic called Snow White. It's 70 years old and it's still greatness. He had some of his best animators work on one scene for 240 days. Now, you just wrap your mind around that. You have given over eight months of your life to draw a four and a half minute scene where the seven dwarfs are making supper for Snow White. And some of you are thinking, I don't remember that scene. It's not in the movie. Now, Disney said, it's funny. And it's brilliantly drawn. But it hinders the flow of the story. And so he cut it out. And that's what discipleship demands. That we cut out anything, even if it's a good thing, that is keeping me from moving in the flow of the Spirit of God. The reason we get stuck in Heron is because we have a competing affection. We have a tira in our life that doesn't want to move. Do you know how God got Abraham to move? Tira died. God is not opposed to taking away your Tira, but He would much rather you give it up. I think that's what the Hebrew writer had in mind after chapter 11, this great hall of faith and heroes. He says at the start of chapter 12, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great and huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off 
every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. Remember I said life is a series of calls. It's not just God calling you. Every day we're getting calls. And if the call you're answering has got your faith life stuck, you're picking up the wrong phone. What does it mean to return to the sender? Means I surrender my need to walk by sight and, and to bring my idols along with me. And it means I surrender my need to feel settled. And this is going to challenge especially us of an American mindset. Because what are we always telling people? Why don't you grow up and settle down? I tell you, if they would just get married and settle down. You know, someday... I'm going to retire and my wife and I have been saving and we're going to buy a place on the lake. and We're just going to settle down. You see, the world says settling down is the goal. And the Bible says settling down is the problem. See, I think it's significant. You never, ever again read that Abraham settled anywhere. Even in the promised land. The Bible says he lived the rest of his life in a tent. He would pitch his tent and he would build an altar to God. By the way, it never says he built an altar in Haran. Altars are built by pilgrims, not settlers. He spent the rest of his life, he'd pitch a tent, he'd build an altar. He'd pack up the tents, he'd move, he'd pitch a tent, he'd build an altar. He'd pack up the tents, he'd move, he'd pitch a tent, he'd build an altar. And every time he moved, the only thing he left behind was a stack of rocks. And don't you know, his pagan neighbors must have thought he was the weirdest dude they'd ever seen. Because they hadn't heard his call. They couldn't understand he wasn't living to own a piece of this world. He was living by a different message. The Hebrew writer says later, If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For He's prepared a city for them. That's one of my favorite verses. God looks down and says, you see that one? He's living sent. He's living mobile. He's ready at a moment to go wherever I need Him. I'm proud of Him. I'm proud to be called the God of a called man.
Listen to our brother Fred. I think that's what he was trying to say. I just want God to be happy with me. I want God to be pleased with me. And, and when my life is over, I want to have uh, accomplished something big in the kingdom. I want God to, to look at me and say, man, that's my boy. You know, he, he did what I asked him to do, and he didn't even have all the answers. He just uh, moved on faith. And definitely this is a, a faith move, and it, 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 got, it has me kind of, you know, got this, this burning desire to see what God is going to accomplish with us moving down there. Even though he hasn't made it all clear, um, I know that he's going to accomplish something great by using these two little folk right here. Now, please understand, the goal of this series is not necessarily to get you to change your location. Not everyone's going to hear the call to move to a new city. It's not so much about changing your location, but about changing your vocation. It's, it's my prayer for you that you will live every day for your calling instead of settling for a living. It might be just to be more alert to that couple you see at Walmart. But there's two kinds of living. There's living in the flow and move of the Spirit of God. And there's stuck faith. And one is a blessing. And one is just so barren. There's this poem about a duck. Flying with other wild ducks over a farm. And he looks down and he sees some ducks on the ground. And he flies down to check it out. They're domesticated ducks. And he starts to investigate and thinks this isn't a bad life. They've got all the food they could ever want just brought to them. They don't have to look for it. They're protected from predators. This is not bad living. So he stays. And he gets fat and lazy. But the following spring, the wild ducks fly back over. And there's something in his spirit that says, that's where I belong And he tries to join them, but he can't. He's too heavy to fly anymore. And the poem ends. He's a pretty good duck for the shape he's in. But he's not the duck he could have been. Is your faith life stuck you need to ask why you need to ask what's my heron where's the place in my life where I have settled for less than God is calling for and I want you to admit that to God in just a moment but before We pray. 
I want us to sing one verse of an old hymn that gets it. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. So take a moment now, just bow your head and say, Lord, this is the part of my life where I've I've settled. And just take a moment and do some business with God. God, you are our God. We will seek you in the morning. And we will learn to walk in your ways. Because step by step you'll lead us. And we'll follow you all our days. Because we've been called. And in the name of Jesus, we make this pledge. Amen. So be standing now. We're going to continue to sing. And if, as we're singing, you would like to give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ and go public with your faith in the act of baptism, we'll receive you right now as we worship. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a sign or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no
Remain standing, please. We'll be dismissed in a moment. I do want to make you aware that Ian and Sarah Anderson are going to be baptized right after this service is concluded. We invite all of the friends of that family to come up on the stage and celebrate with them. I'm enjoying so much reading through the Gospel of John with the men of the church. Chapter 14 is today. Guys, join us if you haven't. It's been rich. And we're meeting on Tuesday mornings at 630 to talk about what God's showing us. If you can join us that would be a blessing. The blog is on the website every day. I hope you'll start and uh, be blessed by time in the Word. And then, if you haven't joined a small group, there's still time. We started the balanced study this past week. It's off to a great start. I think it is a great study. We have groups out there on the wall by the mission control of the children's wing that still have room for more people if you want to be a part. And I would encourage you to go out and get the details. Find the group in your neighborhood And uh, be a part of this study with us. Remember, the saved life is a sent life. You don't have to move to another country to live like a missionary. You just have to be open to the leading of the Spirit of God. Let's close our service by singing step by step. As we sing, if I'm going to ask the prayer team to come over here and be at the front of the auditorium. If you would like to pray with someone when we're dismissed, uh, they'll be waiting for you. If you'd like to be a part of our church, meet Charlie right down here at the front. Thank you for being here today. Oh God, you are my God, and I will never praise you. Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways. And step by step, you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Oh God, you are my God, and I will never praise you. Oh God, you are my God, and I will never praise you. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your You'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days, and I will follow you all of my days, and I will follow you all of my days, and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Amen. You are dismissed. Y'all come on in close. Uh, we're, wait, we're patient. We're waiting on one person.
guys we're all here well a few weeks ago uh, we had a baptism class and uh, Sarah and Ian came and it was really exciting that day they actually confessed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God they understood of the, the fact that they were sinners so Sarah at this time I'm going to ask you a question do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and died for your sins yes because of that I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost for the remission of your sins Same thing was like last week, we, and we talked about this, and I'm going to ask you a question too, Ian. Okay, you want to look up here at me? Ian, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and died for your sins? Yes. Because of that, Ian, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for the remission of your sins. Raise your wrist. 